0: Hello and welcome to Vintage Rock Pod, the ultimate classic rock podcast that proudly claims that my music is better than yours. I'm Paul Stevenson, thanks as always for hitting play. Now today's episode is another bonus show for you. If you listened to the last show, My Life in Dire Straits, featuring a great chat with Dire Straits legend John Ilsley, then you'll have also heard me chatting with Joe Quizzala. He's an American comedian and self-confessed rock and roll hall of fame obsessive. He co-hosts the podcast Who Cares About the Rock Hall with fellow comedian Kristen Studdett. Now, on the last episode, he gave us the rundown on the 2022 nominees, but I wanted to dive a little deeper into the whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing. Now, if you love the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you'll love this episode. If you hate the Rock Hall, or you're a bit of a Rock Hall sceptic, then... You'll also love this episode, as I'm going to put to him the questions that everybody asks, namely, why don't they change the name to Music Hall of Fame, as no more rock acts seem to get inducted. Now, looking back as a Brit over the years, I was vaguely aware of the Rock Hall. It sounded like a great thing from afar. I mean, all these legends being honoured, and you think of, I don't know, The Beatles, Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, The Who, Jimi Hendrix, and so on. But for something which should represent the best of rock and roll, I mean, should, it certainly does have its detractors. As I said, I was blissfully unaware of the politics behind it all until maybe a couple of years ago when I started recording this podcast series and I realised that a lot of guests I was speaking to were, in fact, Hall of Famers. Now, as you'd expect, there is criticism, especially from armies of fans of bands that haven't made it in. And I've seen petitions from fans of bands like Uriah Heep and Vanilla Fudge to try and get them into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And there's always scorn about whoever gets nominated and eventually inducted. Now, when this year's nominations were announced, pretty much every comment I saw on social media was a negative one. You get things like Rock and Roll Hall of Shame, the whole thing is a farce, so and so pop act gets in before real rock legends and so on. That's the kind of typical replies that I was seeing across all the social media platforms to be honest with you. So I decided it would be a good chance to speak with Joe a bit more in depth about the institution and try to understand it a little bit more and why do they make the decisions they do? I mean how does the process work? Address some of the major controversies that have happened over the years. Now as you'd expect from a man who loves the rock hall, his answers are genuinely well thought out, detailed and rational. I also asked you guys listening to get in touch with comments and questions, and I put them to Joe as well. So a big thank you in advance to anyone who got in touch and messaged me about that. So here we go. Here's my chat all about the rock hall with comedian Joe Quazala. So let's start with what's your background then, Joe? I mean, what's your musical taste and how did you end up having this rock hall infatuation, love, obsession? How did all that come about?
1: Yeah, you know, I think my obsession, or I know my obsession coincided with me uh, discovering classic rock, you know, in probably the early 2000s, you know, when I was like, oh, what is Queen? (laughs) What is is Aerosmith? And you know, in the year 2001, both those artists were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So at the same time as I was discovering these artists, On VH1 which VH1 was a huge resource for me yeah. in terms of just learning about music in like the pre-Wikipedia days. You know, I would devour the 100 greatest artists list that they would do marathons. Yeah. Of. The Behind or, the
0: Music series.
1: Yes, there. Behind the Music. Brilliant. Absolutely. There was just a lot of cool programming on VH1 specifically yeah. where if you were a young person and you didn't know anything about rock history, you could learn a lot. And VH1 would air the Rock Hall induction ceremonies. Okay. And so that's kind of how I got into it. And I thought it was like, oh, this is cool. This is This is like, like, Like a concert with all bands that are (laughs) essentially getting a lifetime achievement award, so like nobody sucks, and you can you learn about them too. And like they're these little documentary packages that they have that like encapsulate their career, and you're learning that and these speeches. And then also there's the element of the induction ceremonies often have like kind of strange moments or like reunions that are fraught or beautiful or it could be anything. And and there's just throughout the years moments that happen at the induction ceremonies that I feel like don't happen anywhere else. And so I was into it, fell, fell off probably around the time I was uh, you know, going to college or whatever. It was kind of in the back of my mind, not as active of a follower and fanatic. <laughs> and then I, I just found myself wanting to talk about it again and realized that one, nobody I knew knew any of this stuff. Like if I was like, hey, did you see the ballot? Nobody nobody <laughs> was paying attention to that. And two, I was coming into this with more knowledge than like literally anyone. And so then I was like, well, I think if I need an outlet, a podcast seems like the right way to go. And you mentioned your podcast
0: there. I mean yourself and Kristen do it and you've been doing it for a little while now. So how mm-hmm. did you talk her into doing it along with you? Because she's she's the polar opposite, isn't she? She does not care about right. the rock hall and she's very I don't want to say anti, but she she likes to, to rail against what's happening with, with the institution. Yes, for
1: sure. For sure. It coincided with, she and I had been a part of a sketch comedy group that did a show monthly and that show was ending and, and she, we were both kind of thinking about what we, what we wanted to do next. And I know she had written down just kind of randomly like, podcast. Like maybe I'll do a podcast. And then I think she wrote like an arrow and said music. And then another arrow, Joe. And she brought this up to me. She was like, "Ah, you know, I'm thinking, what if I did a podcast? And like, I know you you and I talk about music a lot. Maybe that would be fun. And I had already been thinking about where to put all this rock and roll hall of fame nonsense that was (laughs) rattling around in my head. Uh, And so that's the the conversation began. And we also, a friend of ours was like, I just built a studio. In my house that I'm looking for people to utilize. And so all those things kind of lined up at the same time. And so it really felt like this is this is the chance you want to do a podcast. I want to do a podcast. I think I know what it should be about. And we can, you know, ease into it on a technical level relatively easy with, you know, this studio that is now accessible to us.
0: Fantastic stuff, and it's called Who Cares About the Rock Hall, and I I genuinely urge anyone to check it out, because it is, uh, as much as anything, it's a good laugh, as well as a a good deep dive into the the hall institution, and the bands that are in, and um, are getting in, and should be in, and are not getting in, and everything else as well. Right,
1: yeah, we are both comedians, so there is a light touch to it, but we're (laughs) we're serious music fans too, so we do take it seriously, and you know, I think if people want to know more about kind of the inner workings or the history of the rock hall. Uh, I think, especially with Kristen's involvement coming in as a neophyte, it's an easy on-ramp into that. But also if you don't care, and you just want to, you want to hear a podcast about music. That is, I think we satisfy that as well. I don't think we make anything too difficult to, to understand. It's a relatively straightforward podcast from people who enjoy and like talking about music. Absolutely.
0: And you're part of the Pantheon family as well, which Vintage Rock Pod is on. So yes, indeed. let's get back to the rock hall then. I mean, um, let's talk about the structure itself. I mean, the ceremony is, is fairly drawn out. You mentioned there's there's quite a few acts that get inducted. There's videos, there's the induction speeches, mm-hmm. there's the, 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 the artists that get um, brought up as well to, to induct the, the band. Um, and this goes on for quite a long time, doesn't it?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, a typical induction ceremony is going to run five hours wow. in person and then edited down to around three, give or take, for the HBO broadcast, which is typically a, a month or so later. That's incredible.
0: But the whole thing is drawn out as well. We, we, we spoke in the, the earlier podcast about the fact that the nominations have just been announced. We're going to have three months of voting and then we'll find out who's got in and then we've got to wait months before the, the ceremony itself.
1: Yeah, like it didn't year, used to be it, almost <laughs> it, I know. I didn't used to be this prolonged, but the pandemic kind of shifted the calendar in a way that uh now we get the nominations in February, we learn the inductees in May, and then we don't have the ceremony until November, which is wow. six months mm-hmm. after we know who's getting in. And it it didn't it used to be a little tighter. It used to be October was the nominations, and we would find out in January, and then the uh induction would be like in March or April. So it was a little bit tighter, but they had to push everything back. Yeah, as many things were pushed yeah. back. Uh, but, they, you know, it was, I think for the hall, they didn't want to cancel the ceremony because it just kind of throws off the calendar. This thing is like pretty regimented with like, 25 years after your first release recording, you become eligible. Course, so there's, yeah. there's all this stuff that you know has been going on since 1985. So like to mess with it too much would be difficult.
0: Uh, and now again, as someone that's kind of coming at this from the outside, it was only probably 2020 that I kind of seriously started looking at it. So last year was my first kind of serious look at the, the whole process and, and voting for the Go-Go's to get in, because I love the Go-Go's. I've, I've always been a big fan. But anyway, yeah, me apart too. from that, I get the premise that... I love the idea of the rock hall itself. I love the fact that it's honoring and celebrating the rock and roll industry, the legends, the groundbreakers and things like that. But that leads me to my first question from Darren Hamilton, who says, and you probably get this all the time. This is probably the number one question. Why don't they just change the name to the Music Hall of Fame? Why are they inducting non-rock acts?
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's rock and roll and it's not just rock. And I, you know, I think there is a, there's a history there that can kind of explain things. Which is that when rock and roll was new, you had guitar based artists like Chuck Berry and, and, and Buddy Holly, but you also had James Brown and you had Sam Cooke yep. and you had Little Richard and a little bit later Aretha Franklin. And there was no question that those artists were rock and roll, even like the Supremes. You know, this is these are, when we look at the early days of rock and roll, that's what we were looking at. And something happened, and it was racist, uh, which is that the genres started to get splintered and segregated, really, uh, to be blunt, um, because there was a time in the 60s where they got rid of the R&B charts because they realized the R&B charts and the rock and roll charts were exactly the same. And really, rock and roll is just a euphemism, if you will, or just other words for rhythm and blues. It was rebranded as a means to getting this music to white audiences. So when you look at the kind of genesis points, and if you even go further back to the blues and you look at the traditions of rock and roll and really the spirit of rock and roll, because one of the things that was so important about rock and roll was that it was music for the youth. It wasn't buttoned up. It wasn't Frank Sinatra. It wasn't Bing Crosby it had an attitude, your parents didn't like it. (laughs) And so when you think about all those things from the beginning of rock and roll, I think you have to keep all those things alive spiritually. So if someone would say, you know, Whitney Houston isn't rock, well, okay, she's maybe not rock as we think of it, like, say, Def Leppard, but she's rock and roll. She's a, a clear descendant of Aretha Franklin, for example. That's plain as day. Yep. And when you look at a hip-hop act, right, and I know that's one that gets in people's craw, (laughs) that hip-hop is not rock and roll, but I think if you look at the blues tradition, I think hip-hop comes from that, just as a traditional blues-based rock act does. And then I also think the spirit of rock and roll is most alive in hip-hop anywhere else. This is the music that is defining for youth culture. This is the music that pisses off your parents. And I think there's also, it's hard to divorce traditionally what is black music as what was rock and roll. Because that in, in America, rock and roll came out of black culture. So that is so deeply intertwined with what rock and roll is and what it means. And so I think to say Music Hall of Fame, you lose some identity there and then it's like okay do we have to induct Mozart (laughs) like is that like if it's the Music Hall of Fame yeah I guess and then like are we going to seriously consider Barbara Streisand or Barry Manilow who to me and that's like, you know, the, the, the lines are, are blurry and like it's sometimes it's difficult to tell. With Dolly Parton on the ballot this year, it's you know, that's one of the, the most country acts has ever been on a ballot. But I do think there is some sort of line to draw in what makes something rock and roll. And it is it is often difficult to do. But I think keeping that spirit alive is so much more important and meaningful than it just being music.
0: That's a brilliant answer. It's probably the best answer I've ever heard, actually. So thank you very much. Thank you.
1: It's a a hard one. It is a hard one for sure. But you know, that's the that's the best I best I can do. And I could probably keep going. Uh, and we talk about it a lot on my own podcast <laughs> yes. for hours and hours, but you know, sometimes I, I get rid of it uh, in in my editing because we've just talked about it so many <laughs> times, it but it, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, com- it comes up a lot for sure. <laughs> um,
0: but it, it, it's something that doesn't go away. I mean, I've got a question here from Keith DeMure and I know uh, Kristen on your podcast uh, talks about the, the old white men that seem to be getting in, but there are still a lot of old mm-hmm. white men that like listening to old white men and are yeah. upset that the yeah. old white men are, still aren't being inducted, sorry. Um, likes of Uriah Heep and Jethro Tull, and I've got, as I said, Keith DeMure here saying, the Hall is too woke and trying to be too all-encompassing. I love Dolly, but that's country music. There's a Country Music Hall of Fame already, so why do we feel the need to induct Dolly?
1: Yeah, I mean, the Dolly thing is something I, I've been thinking about a lot, because I wasn't sure that the Hall was ever going to do that, right? Because if there's, like, one genre that the rock and roll, like, kind of definitively doesn't include. It is country. There are a number of inductees from the early days who got in through the early influence category, like Hank Williams and and Jimmy Rogers and Bob Wills and Bill Monroe and Chet Atkins, where the influence on, say, artists like Bob Dylan or Bruce Springsteen or Elvis Presley is a big one. You know, someone who kind of modeled his career after Jimmy Rogers. Uh, That makes sense, right? Early, early country acts who have a clear influence on rock and roll that makes sense and then you have johnny cash who's like kind of sun records association made him peers with elvis and uh carl perkins and roy orbison and And he had the attitude as well though didn't he johnny cash absolutely yeah absolutely it's totally there and then especially when you look at his final act where he is directly covering a lot of pure rock and roll songs whether it's you know, by Soundgarden or Depeche Mode or Nine Inch, Nine Inch Nails, Nails famously. Yeah. But Dolly, and I've been thinking about because Dolly is like almost pure country. But as I think about it, she's also, she's very pop. Yes, and She's a very, yes. very big pop cultural figure. I mean, she had six top 40 hits on the pop charts. So clearly there is major crossover appeal. And she's such a big pop cultural figure. I think she like she can't just belong to country. She like weirdly belongs to all of us. She's like a strange (laughs) uniting force in just the culture. And I think about, you know, the White Stripes covered Jolene and they're likely to get in the Rock Hall and Whitney Houston, who is in the Rock Hall. And she obviously iconic cover of I Will Always Love You. Um, And so I think, you know, you start to see the influence there. And I also think, I'm thinking like, okay, down the road, Taylor Swift is probably going to get the Rockmore Hall of Fame. Do we really want to induct Taylor, you know, and that's in like 15 years or however many years, it's, it's far down the road, but do you want to do that and not have Dolly Parton already in the hall? That feels weird, doesn't it? And so if you think of it like that, why not induct Dolly? Well, she's still active. She will likely come to the ceremony and perform.
2: Ability to receive a quote depends on membership eligibility. Membership eligibility and product restrictions apply and are subject to change. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates, San Antonio, Texas.
0: I was going to say, is there and is sh- there outside influences, likes of that? Like, like, make sure they're inducted while they're still alive? While, and obviously, Dolly's done an awful lot in the public eye as well, hasn't she, recently? Which has made her American. I mean, she gave us the again. vaccine.
1: Yes. <laughs> she gave us, I mean, she helped, she helped to give, give us the Moderna vaccine through her monetary contributions to that development. So
0: does that have an impact as well? What's going on outside of... of- the industry?
1: I mean, I uh, potentially, I mean, the nominating committee is pretty shadowy and we don't really know what goes on in there, (laughs) but I I, ask
0: that because on your podcast, you do talk about things like, um, do they have a a film coming out, a documentary coming out of their life Mm -hmm. or have they got a greatest hits tour going or something like that? Just, do do you you think in the minds there is that going on?
1: I think, I think it has to on some level. I think there's been a lot of, uh, discourse about Dolly Parton and like very positive ones. Like there was a, a major podcast that came out. I feel like there's a lot of articles and the truly the vaccine thing. It's like she's just been in the public eye a good deal, especially recently. And I think that has to play into it. Like if she was laying low, we maybe wouldn't see this uh, induction and I'll call it an induction because I think she's <laughs> she's going to go right. It has in. to happen but i you know i also i think her songwriting skills and her you know there there is i think there's a, a good spirit of rebellion i mean which you know if you don't know doll you might not think that just looking at this this woman who's always smiling and you know it does these Hallmark movies uh, but there is i think there is some tr- there's some real grit and you know strong rebellion and edge in in her work if you're willing to look for it uh, and like, I, I think that's one of the reasons why it doesn't, it's not crazy that the White Stripes cover Jolene, you know? No. Uh, and so I think there's there's a level of artistry there. It's it's one of the trickier things to wrestle with in recent years with the Rock Hall, someone who's this country. But I really think it's the crossover appeal. To me, I can I can make sense of it.
0: Fair enough. Um, My next question then comes from Steve Gower now. He says they're inducting too many artists each year, especially with backdoor entries using special categories. Now, I'm not overly familiar with that sort of thing. So what's your take on that?
1: So what what they're referring to is that uh, last year there were six performer inductees, which is standard, and that is the artists who get in via the ballot. Yep the larger voting body has this ballot and they pick five names and then the votes are tallied up and then five or six artists get in. And then there's always been side categories, whether it's non performer or the aforementioned early influence or this thing called musical excellence, which is kind of just a catch all if the hall wants to put somebody in (laughs) it's met. It's originally meant to be like for an artist that can't be defined by one thing. Like say Leon Russell was the first musical excellence induction he had a great solo career, but also he was in the wrecking crew and he was in Joe Cocker's backing group and he, you know, was a big part of the concert for Bangladesh. And so he he like exists just to say his solo career, you know, th- there's more to it there. Great songwriter, great producer. Um but also they put Ringo in there because they wanted to put <laughs> Ringo all the other Beatles had gotten in solo and it's like, well, why not Ringo? <laughs> um and so this past year, they really utilized these side categories and ended up inducting seven artists in the side categories in addition to the six okay. in the regular performer category. And so you got three in the musical excellence, and that was LL Cool J, Billy Preston, and Randy Rhodes. And you got three in early influence, which was Charlie Patton, Gil Scott Heron, and Kraftwerk. And then you had a non-performer inductee, which was... Uh, Clarence Avon, the black godfather, the uh, executive and, you know, uh, kind of Svengali for a, a lot of people in the music industry. Um, I think one of the big problems for the Rock Hall is the long backlog of artists who are snubbed. And I think this attempt, I think this is an attempt to right that wrong. <laughs> and I, I think it's wise because... If it's there's, I don't think it's too many. I mean, I think they could continue to induct, and they should induct more every year because that's the only way to really uh, take care of this issue of like if you're gonna get mad, this artist isn't in, that artist isn't in. Okay, well, induct more artists every year. That's how you. <laughs> that's how you fix it. And the hall with these side categories, they are. Also kind of correcting the wrongs of the voting body. Like LL Cool J had been on a ballot six times without getting (laughs) in. He needs to get in. He's a pioneer of hip hop. And so they just put him in musical excellence.
0: And once he's in through the musical excellence door, does that mean he's no longer eligible for the vote and and to get through the, the usual way, shall we say?
1: Here's the thing. He's in. Okay. He when he was inducted at the ceremony, they treated it like a normal induction. You'd have to be like looking hard for the asterisk, you know, <laughs> in the in the package where it's like "El Cool J, musical excellence." Like, wait, wait, what does that mean? But before you even register it, it's gone. Yep. Nobody, nobody was paying attention. This is a regular induction. To induct him again is is would be to say that that musical excellence induction wasn't proper or wasn't uh, legitimate, mm-hmm. which it was. Done. Done. We're done. We're done. We're done with that. The yeah. public vote then. What is the point of the public
0: vote? I mean, <laughs> from the outside, I'm looking and thinking, if you get in the public vote, then you're in. But then yeah. reading back, I'm seeing, was it 2020 when four of the top five in the public vote didn't even get in? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. so
1: what, what does the public vote count for? Nothing. Um, almost nothing. <laughs> it, the top five vote getters are to comprise one ballot. Wow. Now, about, I don't know, a thousand ballots are are collected or are allegedly collected but so as you can imagine that is a drop in the bucket that is a uh, 0.1% if for for you math heads out there 0.1%. <laughs> so it can it can do nothing. Um but the hall kind of presents it as meaningful as as something that can make an impact and uh it's a way to keep people involved keep people thinking about the rock hall. It's a marketing tool, I guess essentially, like and it's a way to get the artists engaged. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the issue was starting in for the class of 2013 was when the the fan vote debuted. Okay. Every year up until 2020, the top vote getter would be inducted. So you had, you know, artists like Journey, and KISS and Rush and these kind of big populist classic rock bands. But then in 2020, it was Dave Matthews Band won the fan vote, and then they did not uh, make it. You know, it's sad, sad to some. So that kind of, because the top vote getter had always gotten in, it seemed like there was some sort of cause and effect thing, but really it was just correlational. So that kind of exposed the, sh- the charade. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) and and so now it's i think people are a little more hip to it but still you got last year you had you know the fella kuti army uh out of nigeria like sending people to that page voting for him and it was between him and and tina turner neck and neck Mm -hmm. and fella did not get in he's on the ballot again this year and i have seen a number of people online nigerians primarily who were pissed who are like what did we do that for you led us to believe that this was meaningful, and we've voted our asses off for fella, and then he didn't get in. Were you gonna do that again? No, fuck you and fuck your institution. <laughs> We're done. And so, great, good, good going,
0: good work, all. So, uh, is it uh, an Illuminati is it a, a closed door thing? We don't know who's actually voting. Who makes up these other 999 votes?
1: Yeah, that one, I mean, like, we have a list of who's on the nominating committee, but in terms of the larger voting body, we there is no public list, uh, you know, the list that has been compiled on, say, like, future, futurerocklegends.com, which is like an independent site that is just uh, for cataloging this kind of information. Okay. It all comes from just like, I don't know, does someone on Twitter or Instagram share their ballot? You know, we know that if you're an inductee, you get a ballot. Um, and we know that if you participate, like if you give a speech or if you perform, I believe you get a ballot as well, but it's just, yeah, it's very unclear who has, who has the ballots. I get the sense that it's mostly comprised of former inductees, but I've also heard if you don't turn in your ballot, like two years in a row or something they stop sending it to you. So (laughs) nobody's tracking this stuff. So I have no idea. (laughs)
0: <laughs> wow. Um we, we we broached this in the other podcast earlier as well but I want to ask you again just um in terms of people putting acts nominated forward for nomination sorry people like you said have been well LL Cool J six times he was nominated before they they gave him the musical excellence award is this the body's way of saying look we want these people in why are they not getting
1: in Yeah that's that's exactly it. Um you know that's it's interesting you could you could change the the mechanism for voting i suppose but like how how do you really fix these issues that is one that i don't think has ever been considered um but yeah i think it is you know all the nominating committee can do is put them on a ballot and then it's kind of out of their hands so if it's not working and like a artist they believe needs to get in has to get in then they utilize the side category
0: interesting stuff now um in terms of some of the publicity that's come negatively from artists as well. I mean, Steve Miller, when he was when he was inducted, he brought up a lot of things, and one yes. of them was the the eye watering prices for tickets and things. And I think um, David Knopfler as well from Dire Straits had mentioned something about them not even wanting to pay for his taxi fare. Yeah, I wonder uh, about that. For,
1: that that doesn't yeah, seem right someone, to me.
0: But it, it's interesting that it, is the company there to to make money?
1: Yeah, you know, the Rock Hall Foundation that runs the inductions. And the nominations and stuff is separate from the museum, which is strange and something okay. that not a lot of people know. Mm-hmm. The museum is great, and they have like initiative, like education initiatives and like you know, obviously the curatorial stuff within the museum and the archival stuff. I understand the museum's mission. The induction, the foundation who does the inductions. They seem to raise money to then put on next year's induction ceremony, and or pay themselves. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know the foundation. And I, I know I know I have a friend who is a, a reporter for uh, the Cleveland Plain Dealer in Cleveland, and like you know covers the Rock Hall, and he's tried to ask people, and he's never gotten a straight answer. But yeah, I mean, what you're referencing is famously to sit at a table, which is on the floor right in front of the stage where the inductees sit. Apparently, the inductees each get two seats, themselves and a plus one, I believe. Maybe it's themselves and a plus two. But um, beyond that, it's $10,000 for a plate-slash-seat at the table. And then, um, you know, and I think, you know, someone like, I guess, Steve Miller, like, he wants his band and like their families to all sit at the tables and like he's not afforded that many seats um, for free, which I guess, I don't know. I guess there's an argument there. If people are willing to pay that price, then like you can't give those seats away to like his entire touring (laughs) band and their families. It's like a lot of, it's a lot of people. (laughs) And I get the sense that the hall would give them seats. probably not, probably not the best ones, but they give them seats elsewhere. Uh, But yeah, that's, that's what I know. I always find you know seventy dollars seats, and then that's that's <laughs> where I'm that's where I'm sitting. But yeah, the hall the hall is you know in, in, they this is a fundraiser in in a sense okay. these induction ceremonies,
0: and it is America after all. And um, some of the other controversial <laughs> um, points. I mean, which who who decides which members of the bands get in? And I'm thinking famously the whole Dave Mustaine Metallica thing. Now, Was that Metallica's yeah. choice, or does it, well, the Rock Hall say who gets inducted out of each band?
1: That's a pretty fuzzy situation there's never it's not like outlined anywhere what happens okay from what i understand the band has some say but i believe there is a team or group of people who are knowledgeable about the band who make those decisions it is historically very inconsistent i look at the second drummer for pearl jam dave Abrazizi or or Eberziz, I don't know how to pronounce it, but he was the guy who came on after Dave Cruson left the band. Dave Cruson played on 10. He left before that album came out. The second Dave showed up, was there with them for the release of 10, the recording of verses, and the recording of Vitology. And that's like that's peak Pearl Jam. Yeah. He was there for two albums at their height. He was not included. Neither was Jack Irons, who was on the next two albums. But they included their current drummer, Matt Cameron, who's a great drummer, had been with him for quite some time, is famously also the drummer for Soundgarden. Soundgarden yeah. And they inducted Dave Cruson, who played on 10, which if you play it on 10, you get in with a band. But, like, what's going on? Why not this second guy, <laughs> Dave A., um, who was there during their Imperial phase. And from what I understand, it was, I don't think the band liked him. So it was like he doesn't get in. You know, so they get to choose that. But then, you know, there's curious things where, you know, you mentioned Metallica. Robert Trujillo, yeah. who had joined the band relatively recently when they got inducted in 2009, he was included. Um, you know, Foo Fighters added a guy in I don't know, 2017 or something, uh, Rami Jaffe, the keyboard player, because if you think Foo Fighters, you think keyboard. <laughs> uh, and like Red Hot Chili Peppers, similarly, there was a guy named Josh Klinghoffer who had joined the band, I think, just a few years, 2009 or something, and they were inducted in 2012. Uh, and so, like, some of these bands seem to get anyone they want. Yep. But then KISS... It was only the original four, and I know Gene and 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 Paul were not thrilled about that. So it seemed like they didn't really get a say. But then these, and I I I get the sense now they are much more willing to work with the artists on that and not be so uh, like rigid about it. Because I know when the Cure was inducted, Mm -hmm. Robert Smith really wanted everyone who'd ever been in the band to be inducted. And that's a lot of people and they included a lot of people. (laughs) And sometimes you will see this because they list the band members on the official rock website when they're nominated. And sometimes, uh, after that announcement, a name is added. Okay. Like Reeves, Gabrels, who joined the cure, I think in 2012, uh, which is funny because they were nominated in 2012. And so if they had gotten in then, he wouldn't have gotten in. But Robert Smith, I think, put his foot down and said, like, we're not going to show up and play unless you include our current guitarist. And so they were just like, fine. And so there's there's a mount. And like Nine Inch Nails was going to be inducted just Trent Reznor. And he was like, let's include a bunch of people who have played with me. And so they did. And so it's like, if you're willing to be nice and play with the Hall, and I guess if they already like you, then you you can negotiate that but it's it's definitely strange and it's imperfect and it is inconsistent absolutely um and then looking at some of the other the interesting dynamics
0: especially on stage i mean well famously blondie um when you had chris and, and debbie and clem there and how awkward Ugh. is it when uh, frank and jimmy almost pleading to play
1: with the band and yeah deaf, on is, Mike, yeah yeah that was really uncomfortable that's one of the more uncomfortable things because you know a lot of stuff definitely goes down with bands backstage or before yes. the show or people don't show up but like for it to happen during the speech oh oh that's really cringy <laughs> really one of the cringier moments
0: so the rock hall has been going for what 30 years or something now so so what's some of the highlights yeah. then for, for you for, for a super fan like yourself some of the highlights uh, of the rock hall for you
1: yeah, I mean, this is maybe a boring answer because everybody will say it, but the While My Guitar Gently Weeps, George Harrison tribute with Prince uh, doing the solo is just like transcendent. It's like one of the great performances, not just of the rock hall, but like I think of, of anything ever. It's really, really something. Um, I will also, I'll point out the uh, the 2014 ceremony had some really great perform tribute performances. Uh, Linda Ronstadt was inducted. She chose not to... Attend. she has had issues with Parkinson's and not being able to sing. So they did a, kind of an all-star tribute to her, which was Carrie Underwood, who I didn't really know much about. And, you know, she doesn't seem like she's for me, but she killed it. You know, she started off saying they did a different drum, and then they just kept bringing people out. Like they brought out Bonnie Raitt and Amy Lou Harris and Sheryl Crow and Stevie Nicks. And so and it culminated with all of them on stage you know, singing songs like When Will I Be Loved and You're No Good. And that is, and everyone is, their voices melding together is really, really beautiful. Uh, And also that year ended with the Nirvana tribute, which I thought was really cool. Because they had Dave Grohl and Chris Novoselic and Pat Smear. And then they had a rotating uh, door of female artists taking vocals. So it was Joan Jett doing Smells Like Teen Spirit. And it was Kim Gordon doing uh, Aneurysm, which was really cool and kind of a strange pick because it's a B-side for them. And St. Vincent doing Lithium and then Lord doing All Apologies. And it was really, really cool. Like kind of emotional. And Kim's performance in particular was very rock and roll. She was riding around (laughs) on the floor screaming. Those are, those are two that stick out in my mind, but there's a lot of... I really like the way the 2013 ceremony opened. Uh, Randy Newman was being inducted that year, and the ceremony was in Los Angeles and had not been in Los Angeles for 20 years. There's only two times the ceremony has been in LA, 93 uh, and 2013. And Randy Newman was being inducted. So how do you open the ceremony? You get Randy Newman playing Isle of LA with... <laughs> Jackson Brown, Tom Petty, and John Fogarty. And it was great. It was a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely, indeed. So finishing on the 2022 nominations, we, we briefly said that there's, there are some almost shoe-ins, open-the-door, walk-through sort of things. So give us, give us the five you think will be, or the, the people you think will be inducted this time.
1: It, yes. So I think the class will be Dolly Parton, Eminem, Lionel Richie, Carly Simon, and I will say... I'll give the fifth slot to Pat Benatar, but it's jockeying with Duran Duran, and they might go six. So, that's those are my choices. I would love to see Dionne Warwick get in. I think she has an outside chance, but uh, I'm not holding my breath.
0: And then we've we've not even mentioned the Eurythmics there and Annie Lennox. It's just it is a stacked ballot this time.
1: It really is. There's a lot of competition. You know, a, a lot of these artists, including Eurythmics, uh, or Beck, or Rage Against the Machine, I think could do well on a different ballot, but. The way this is turned out, I, I don't, you know, dark horses for sure.
0: Absolutely. And folks, if you want to put your money somewhere, then I'd definitely be listening to what Joe said because he knows everything about the rock hall. Um, <laughs> tell us again about your podcast.
1: Yeah. So it's called Who Cares About the Rock Hall. Uh, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. It is weekly. Uh, right now, as the nominations are out, we're going to be covering some of these artists. So we'll be doing artist focus episodes where we try to evaluate them based on what we believe to be the Hall's criteria. You know, if you are curious about how the Hall works or what will happen, or like, <laughs> like you just said, uh, if you want to place some money, you want an informed person <laughs> to tell you where to put your money. Uh, That's the place to go. We talk about music and it's a a lot of fun. And, you know, looking at things through the lens of the hall is bizarre, but I think entertaining for that reason. Absolutely.
0: It's a good laugh indeed. Joe, thank you very much for joining us for this special bonus edition of uh, Vintage Rock Pod. It's been
1: great chatting with you. For sure. Thank you so much for having me
0: and a big thanks to joe there i hope that cleared up some of the stuff that maybe you had in your head i'd still love to hear your thoughts though if you agree or disagree with whatever joe says then get in touch with me do it on social media just look for vintage rock pod or you can email me vintagerockpod at gmail.com and i'll give you a shout out on the next episode well that's it for this bonus edition of vintage rock pod then if you haven't already do please check out these social media channels click like or comment on the posts and on all the different things you know twitter and facebook and, and instagram and all art sort of stuff just search for vintage rock pod and you can also find us on youtube as well loads of videos from the interviews i've done on there there's a few quizzes and various other things and, and top fives and stuff so look for vintage rock pod on youtube as well now episode 52 featuring an interview with a great rock singer whose band broke ground in the 60s will be out on monday the 14th of february but until then remember if you come across anyone who isn't a fan of classic rock just tell them my music is better than yours